for those of you who don't know me, I'm Karen. I'm here with Pace this year. Um, um, and I'm going to be talking about um, something that's very close to me because it's something people have described me as in the past. So some of you might know English is not my first language. I'm from Germany. So sometimes words don't translate. Sometimes I hear words in English and I kind of know what it means, but I don't know if there's an exact word for that in German. And um, people have described me as compassionate, and I never really knew what it meant. When I asked them to give me a reason, they, showed, they told me it was because of behavior like this. I've got a little video clip, if it works. <laughs> We're not sure. Basically, on that video, some of you might know it. Some of you might know it. It's a little girl watching a video. He's sad. He's sad. Yeah. Oh no. Why is he sad? Thank you, Martin. Basically, this is me while watching any movie. The people that have watched a movie with me know that already. But that's the reason people gave me for describing me as compassionate. And I kind of took that in because I didn't know that word because there's no real translation for it in Germany. But then I was um, preparing a lunch club last year for Pace in a school, and I was called to talk about compassion. And I looked in the Bible, as you do, and in Mark 1, 40 to 42, I think we've got it on the screen, it says... Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So I did a little bit of research into that and I found out like how excluded from society lepers were at that time. And then you were not allowed to touch them, obviously, because it was a contagious skin disease. So you're literally, you were so excluded from anyone. And, and Luke, in the reference, it talks about how he was full of leprosy. So he hadn't had a human touch in ages. And Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out and touched him. So... For some reason, I read this, and I was like, okay, this is not the kind of compassion I am. This is not what people describe me as when they mean this. So um, I looked into what the word actually means, and it comes from the Latin word compati, which means to suffer with. And in this Bible passage, it's the Greek word that's being used, um, which means the inner to be moved in the inward parts. So my first realization was, okay, this is not me, not when I... When I, move, when I watch a movie, maybe, I'm a little bit moved in the more parts, and I shed the superficial tear, but it's not suffering with that person on there. So I came to the realization that compassion, it's about suffering with someone. It's about stepping out of your comfort zone, feeling the pain that they feel. And in this passage, Jesus comes out of his comfort zone, does what no one else would do, and touches the leper to heal him. And... Um, I think it's interesting because when we look at Jesus and we look what Jesus is all about, that's literally all he did. He left his place in heaven to suffer with us. 
That's what he's all about. Suffering with someone is what he was. He was compassion. So he left his comfort zone, and he obviously calls us to do the same. So often it might be easier, it might be more comfortable, it might be more yeah, acceptable in society to just sit there, cry at the news because you're heartbroken about what's happening somewhere else in the world. And it's fine. It's good that you feel that way. But what do we do when we feel that other, the other person is not suffering as much as we do? What do we do? How do we feel compassion if the other person is going through something and we sit there and we're like, okay, that's bad, that's bad. But if you only knew what I'm going through, then you wouldn't be crying right now. You have no right to cry right now because what I'm going through is much worse. Not so much when we see something really bad on the news, but when we feel something ourselves, when we talk to each other one-to-one. -one. So how can we live out this command of Jesus to be compassionate if it's about being moved in the inward parts? How do you command ourselves to feel something? And I believe the answer lies in the question of why do we need, why do we need to feel compassion and what should we feel compassion about? And... Um, there's another part of the Bible where that's really famous. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Can anyone tell me what the shortest verse in the Bible is? Jesus wept. This is the incidence where he's um, about to raise Lazarus back from the dead and before he cries with Mary and Martha. But there's another incident and only one other incident where we have a record of Jesus' crying, Jesus' tears. And it's in Luke 19. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If only you had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will barricade you and surround you and have you in on every side. They will level you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Jesus weeps. Jesus approaches the city this is right after his triumphal entry, by the way. He approaches the city and he weeps. Weeping is not shedding the superficial tear. Weeping is actually like wailing out, like pleading with God. Um, and Jesus does that because he's so desperate because he sees the people don't see me for who I am. The people don't recognize who I am. He says, if only on this day you had realized what would bring you peace. And I think we need to ask God for this heart position. We need to ask God to tell us and to help us see the people around us that can't see what brings them peace. When we go through suffering, it's bad, but we know where to run to. We need to have our heart broken for the people that don't know where to run to when they're heartbroken. We need to ask God to give us a heart of flesh. He promises in Ezekiel 36, 26, God promises to remove a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, to give us his spirit, that will do what he wants us to do, what we're here for on this earth. And only with a heart of flesh, I believe, we can have our heart broken when someone else is heartbroken, when it's not natural to feel that sorry for that person, even when it's hard, when you don't feel it's justified. We can only um, be truly compassionate, I believe, if we realize the true suffering in this world, if we truly understand where this world is going, what's happening to the people that don't know who Jesus is. They don't realize their visitation from God. Jesus says in verse 44, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Those people, they don't realize that Jesus was compassionate, that Jesus came to the earth to suffer with us. And because they don't realize this visitation from God, that's why Jesus cries, because he realized that they need this peace, that they need his, uh, his salvation. So I just encourage you, 
to have your cap rethink your compassion as I had to. Think about it, how it has to lead to action. It needs, uh, it needs to lead us to step out of our comfort zone and actually do something. But it's important what we do. It's not just getting out there and, I don't know, giving them a hug. That's the first step. That's great. But if we don't tell them about the true way out of the suffering, about the true peace that Jesus gives us, there's no point in crying for someone. Okay, so I pray that I've made this my prayer, actually, that people, when they talk about me and they think about me being compassionate, that they don't mean this compassion, compassionate crying over a movie kind of compassion, but they'll try to mean what this kind of compassion that Jesus calls us to. And I really pray that you'll make that your prayer, too. That was really good, wasn't it? Challenging. All good messages should be challenging. I think there's something for us to go, ooh, I'll need to be doing that more. Because we do, actually, we probably have both the things of being able to associate ourselves with actually, you know, so I have sat in a room with somebody and they've told me all their problems and I've been like, if you knew what was going on in my life. Or we've seen other people and gone, oh, that's really terrible. And then just gone, oh, well, somebody else will deal with it. And it, it, compassion is to be moved with action. Now, Jesus doesn't just see the leper. He reaches and meets his need okay so there's this it, it leads to action number one was good number two is jenny come on let's give jenny a really big round of applause you ready follow that wow that was brilliant thank you karen but i've got to follow it and the answer is with compassion and when we we've we face people that are going through really difficult times, is that we do have an answer in that we have a testimony. So this is all going to be about testimony. And if you want to, Ross, Ross, you can put it up. We have a testimony because we have come to that place of knowing Jesus. And this, you can see it, it's powerful. So what I can say to all of you is that this can also be your declaration that you are a child of God, that you are a man, a woman, a young person, a boy, a girl of faith, and you are a warrior. What we see in the world, we are the ones who go out to battle. We go out to battle because of Jesus. And if we read in Revelation, it says that they overcame the world, they overcame the enemies by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Powerful, powerful weapons. But the word of the testimony comes because of the blood of the Lamb. We have a testimony because we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. And if you haven't today, don't leave here without coming to Jesus and having a testimony of your own because your testimony is powerful. And I want to thank Anna for using two words this morning which confirmed today testimony and chain because our testimony is the catalyst for chain breaking chain change in the world it impacts generations it impacts the people we meet and it tells us in acts that when after jesus had died the, the disciples went out and with great power they gave testimony to the resurrection of jesus and they were blessed with great grace. So when you're giving your testimony, there's great power behind it. 
And there's great grace. So that power that comes with your testimony can break into people's lives and change their situations, whatever you're going through. And your testimony comes because of faith, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We have everything in this. Jesus is the word. So if you don't understand something here, ask the word to explain this word, because that's what he will do. And when you have that, that word from the Lord, act on it because it is so powerful. When it's the rhema word, you know that great faith will be given to you. The gift of faith comes to you to put it into operation. And if God said it, and I believe it, that settles it. Because it's his word. It's not me. I have to believe it. I've got to do my part. But it's about what he says. His word will not return void. So if you're declaring anything that's based on his word, he's responsible. Um, what we have in Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the book of Psalms, made up of every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So 129 begins for the alphabet letter pay. It's the word of the mouth. That begins with testimony. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. It's God's own testimonies. All of his creation gives testimony to the Lord. But what I like, if you're like me and you love Israel, and we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to bless Israel, if we bless, we get blessing. So I don't know about you, but I want a blessing. Thank you. But this, this is also prophetic. Everything to do with the Hebrew alphabet, the words are prophetic. This section relates to the Hebrew word pay, which is the shape of a mouth. The Jews have just gone into their year 5780, the start of a new decade. We're going to go into 2020, the start of a new decade. This is a time when the Hebraic and the Gregorian calendars unite, they converge. And pay is the mouth, but it holds some other words within it because it's about declaration. So that's why I say to you, start declaring whatever you've been seeing, whatever you've been waiting for. We're coming into the time of God's timing to declare those things which matter, those things which you want to speak into other people's lives, those things which will break the chains for other people, those things which matter to you, those things which you need in your life because you're suffering, you need healing, you need provision, you need finance, whatever. Start declaring. And when the Lord leads you into particular words, he gives you the gift of faith to go with that to see it accomplished. We're told in Ephesians too that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has the highest place in heaven, the place of authority, of power, and of honor. And for each one of us, we're in Christ. That's what it says. Whether we feel it, whether we know it, we are in Christ. And in the beginning of that Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 6, 7, whatever, it says that we in that place can access all the riches of his glory. So if you have need today, you can go into the heavenly, heavenly places before the Father in Jesus 
and draw down what you need. He knows your need. His timing might not be our timing. I have a godson who's 12. He's got life-limiting illnesses. One of five in the country, 25 in the world. The future for him is horrible. Cancer, death, within 12 months. I said to the Lord, not on my watch, Lord. Your word says, I haven't seen a healing yet, but the family know I'm praying. Can be simple things. I'm battling depression, which is part of grief because I'm widowed. I don't like it. But I recognize that this is part of a grief process. So I have a choice. This will sound irreverent, but my prayer every day when I feel that battle coming, your day, your way. I declare it because God says every day of my life was ordained by him before I was ever born before the foundation of the world even. So if the enemy comes against me and says, why bother getting up today? You're lonely, you're miserable, blah, blah, blah. Get stuffed, devil. I'm a child of God. I'm a woman of faith. This is who I am. So declare it. I declare this over all of you. This can be your declaration. This is your declaration of who you are in him. You are seated in heavenly places. You, through Jesus and through his sacrifice, have the right to draw down from heaven all that you need because his word says that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and you may have access to all the riches of his glory. Go home, find what the words he's giving to you. And start declaring it. And as we go into the next, next year, start declaring for the next year is the year of the declaration of the Lord. How good was that? That was, that was so good. The passion. What I loved about Jenny is it's a message she lives as well because she doesn't need her notes. She stood here and her notes are over there and she's just speaking it because it's what she lives, it's what she believes and that's powerful and there's such power in your testimony and it links so wonderfully onto our final one. So for f- number three, last but by no means least, get, ready, get your legs ready to jump up. It's Imrik! Yeah! Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? God is so amazing. I did not know Jenny was going to be sharing about testimony, and now you're going to hear my testimony. How divinely, perfectly authored was that? So I've been part of the Riverside family for about five months now, and I grew up in a town called Oakhampton. I was one of five. I had two brothers and two sisters. Both of my brothers were autistic. One is quite severely autistic. He's nonverbal, and one is are um, higher functioning, but struggles with education and social situations and that sort of thing. This gave my dad quite a lot to deal with, quite a lot of things to do. But that, was, that wasn't just it, because my mum, she suffered from addiction and she also had mental health issues, most notably of which she had um, a borderline personality disorder, which meant there was like three of her. There was Catherine, Kate and Acheron, these three personalities, these three personas. And Catherine was this loving family lady who loved her children. She loved her home and she would do anything for them. Kate was this really charismatic, bubbly lady who would you go on holiday with or grab a coffee with. And then Akron was this, this very dark person who liked to drink and liked drugs and would work out what combinations or what would give the effect that she wanted. And you know what? Bless my dad's heart. That meant that he also had her to run after and to look after. 
And that meant it only had so much time. So often me and my sisters, we felt placed below other people and other people's needs. But that is not... I realize now that, that, that he only had so much time. He was only one person, but that still caused me pain then. And I think if I was to point to one moment in my life when I realized that everything wasn't okay, it would be when I came home from school and my mum was making dinner. And she reached into the cupboard to grab this can of beans and she fell back onto the floor and started to shake. And I sat there and I was screaming for help and I looked and I didn't know what to do. And I found out later that that was because the drugs and the alcohol she had taken had caused the neurons in her brain to go into overdrive. So she had a fit. And this pattern repeated itself again and again and again in my life. And if you've ever been in an environment or grown up with someone who suffers from those issues, you'll know that things can often get loud. Things can often get violent. And you'll also know, most importantly, there is no depth that that person won't sink to to get their next hit. And growing up, I was told that all our money had been stolen, that someone had committed fraud and taken it all. But it didn't take very long for me to work out that that was a lie. It was the lies that the devil sold to my mum that drugs and alcohol was what she needed to meet her desires. And at the time, my sister, she was in sixth form. And in sixth form time, you got education maintenance allowance, which was 30 pounds a week. And she would, to get me out of the house of an evening, she would take me down to the shops. And with that money, we would buy reduced bread and anything in the supermarkets to bring back to help my dad out. Just so the little money that he could get his hands on, he could continue to pay the bills and the rent with. But over time, she realized that this money was there. So she started to come down with us and that food turned into alcohol. So things got even worse. Things got even more desperate. And I lived down the road from a local comprehensive. So in the evening now, instead of going down to the shops, my sister would take me out of the house, and we'd go down to the garden there, and we would take the vegetables out of that, that flower patch, that comes, the garden house they had there. And we'd take them back, and we would cook them, and we'd eat them to try and continue to have this little bit of money to pay the bills and the rent with. But you know what? My dad, as Charles he might, he tried to keep this perfect appearance, and we tried to keep that everything was going well, but things came crumbling down, and social services got involved in other agencies, and one day my social worker looked at dad and said, I'm going to have to look to take your kids away if she doesn't go. Things can't stay the same way. And my dad was a man who took his wedding vows very seriously through sickness and health, and he really battled with letting her go. But one day this package dropped through the door that my mum had ordered. It was some drugs she'd ordered online. And he, he grabbed that package, and he grabbed the nearest family photo, and he looked at her and said, which one do you want? And there was a bit of protesting, but she grabbed the drugs in the end. And soon after that, my, and that put a lot of fear and neglect into my life. And soon after that, she moved out, and things started to change. I started to go to this local youth group that was running a church. I started to be surrounded by people who loved me and leaders who loved me and started to invite me to church. But one night, I was coming home, and I knocked on my mum's door on that Friday, and a police officer came to the door and said, I'm sorry to tell you, but your mum is no longer with you. She died from an overdose in the night. But thing, it was too late, because things had started to change, you see. The enemy couldn't hold that over me, because I was a child of the king. I'd started going to church, and though I was skeptical at first, I was sat down, then I stood, then I stand in worship with my hands up because Jesus Christ has come into my life. And I found the love that would not place me below anything else, would not leave me, would not abandon me, it would not hurt me. I found a father who wanted to have conversation with me, a father who wanted relationships so badly with me, he sent his only son to die for me. And I just want to invite the band to come up and get ready. But I don't know what your situation is, but you can have that love this morning.
in your life that is so freely given for us. And I was preparing this. I started to look back and actually, I was like, God has always been in my life, even when I didn't see it. I found out a few years ago when I was, that my neighbor used to lay hands on my wall when my house got loud, and he would pray that my family and me would find the love of Christ. And I found that out three years after he prayed that pray, when I was stood on the stage leading worship with him. And if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. There is no, he will meet you wherever you are, and he will bring you out of it. And I'm sorry, if you just want to stop. I'm sorry if people in your life have spoken lies over you, if you've had friends and family who have spoken the lies of the enemy over you, but we're coming out of a season of Christ followers. And it's time to find your friend in Christ followers. Because when you find your friends in Christ followers, they will see the potential God has placed within you rather than the limitations society has placed upon you. We need to find our identity in the King because we have been authored from beginning to the end. And as I was preparing this, 2 Timothy 1.7 came to my mind. That God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I think there are people whose pasts are holding them down. They are living in a fearful situation. They are living in dread. And they need to declare over their lives and over their situations that I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now what I want to do, if we can all get to our feet. And as the band starts to play, if you've ever experienced fear, if you've ever experienced anxiety, if you're fearing a situation next week, or you're scared when you get home that what you've heard today is going to come rushing out, I just want you to hold your hands up. And I just want you to begin to declare in the spirit the finished work of Christ. I want you to start to declare that you are a child of the King and you cannot be held by fear. You cannot be held by depression. You cannot be held by anxiety. And we're just going to see the chains break off this morning. The chains are breaking off this morning. Father, the pumpkins to play today we're just going to hear the chains come breaking off your children and I thank you that you died on that cross for me and on that cross you said it is finished so we declare today that the rule of anxiety is finished the rule of depression is finished the rule of disappointment is finished the rule of loneliness is finished the rule of ill health is finished and when I face fear I will look at it and I will say you are a liar you cannot hold me anymore he cannot hold you anymore the life that you once breathed out of me I have found the king and he is breathing that life back into me. He is going to replace me. Everything you've taken, he is going to replace. Replace with a stronger me, a better me, a faithful me, a fearless me, a courageous me. It is coming and I am a child of the King. You have no control and you have no power. Never again will you hurt me because who the sun set free is free indeed.